Good evening, guys, and welcome to the Purple Sector Podcast, episode nine. And tonight we welcome a very special guest. Alongside with Mark Ward, he joined West Ham as a relative unknown in the summer of 85, but he was certainly not unknown when he left finally in 1992. He had two spells at the club and two spells at Celtic. A former Scottish international with five caps. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome to the show Mr. Frank McAvenny. Frank, how are you? I'm good, I'm good guys. How are you doing? Very yeah. good, Frank. Very good. Uh, how, how's lockdown treating you on the other side of the border? Terrible. I'm still, we're still locked down up here. We can't get out. We can't go anywhere. So, um, can't play golf, can't do anything. So, we're well, a week, two weeks behind you guys. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. They're all flocking to the beaches south of the border here. You've, yeah, you've seen, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get the weather for the beaches up here anyway. So, it's, uh, we're not missing too much. Nah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, I'm going to start on, but um, we're going to talk about um, how you came to West Ham and um, just before that, Frank, um, I mean, you took a very unconventional route into football. Um, you started very, very late at the age of 19. I mean, please describe, first of all, the story of, you know, how it all began. Well, I was, it's well known, but very lucky. I was just, I was a, like everyone has a team to support. My team was Celtic and uh, I used to go home and away. Mm-hmm. And um, Celtic game get cancelled one week, walking through Glasgow. Some of my friends that are from the area I lived were uh, going to play football. Asked me to go and join them. And uh, I went and there was a few scouts watching the boy I was playing against. So I was very, very lucky. Yeah. I was in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. But you must have had a stormer in that game, certainly. Well, if I did, to be honest, I didn't think I could. I was going to make it as a footballer. So if I'd have known that there was people watching the kid that I was playing against, I would, I would probably have made them look a bit better than what it was. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but I didn't know, so I'm, I'm unlucky. Oh, well, okay. But his loss was, uh, was, was your gain, certainly, and you were at St Mirren yes. for five years. And then the move south came up. Um, but originally, you were destined for Luton Town. I mean, what, what, what happened there? Oh, it's, it's, it's against one run, but we're going down. I went down to sign for Luton. Everything was done, Karen. It was all, you know, I, I thought I was just going down to sign. I was down with my agent, a lot of lot of representatives from St Mern, and uh, that luckily the chairman of Luton walked in, slapped me in the back of the head and said, well, welcome to Luton. So, you know, being from Glasgow, I wasn't too taken, didn't take that too kindly. And I uh, looked at my agent, I realised then I wasn't going to sign. Um, to be honest, it was a great manager. David Pleat was a manager, so I could have, you know, it would have been great. And, and Luton were a good team at the time. Yeah. But when I told my manager I wasn't going to sign, um, he told me that West Ham were interested. And I, if I'd have signed for Luton, I wouldn't have known about West Ham. So, yeah. Um, so luckily, again, I was, in, you know, I was very lucky. And as soon as I spoke to John Lyle, we all know, we all know John Lyle. As soon as I spoke to him, there was a, that was that was it done. You know, I, I knew West. Even even a boy from Glasgow knows all about West Ham. Yeah. You no, know, and as I've told you before, even I knew that West Ham won the World Cup for England. So. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Coming to John Lyle. What were your first impressions of him? I mean, they were obviously favourable for, for you to sign, but what were your first impressions of John Lyle? John, John was brilliant. He makes you feel, makes you feel welcome. Um, as soon as I spoke to him, he, he was telling me what he wanted, telling me where he wanted me to play and what his, what his vision 
from the team was. So it, it was great just to, just to feel you're part of this big, the, the, he called it a chain, mm-hmm. part of a chain, and you're a little cog in the chain. And, and it, it, it all came together, you know, it was just, John was like, he was a great footballer, man. They're doing these things now, they're doing these positions now, you know, push from the front, or a lead from the front, high press and all that. They're calling it all sorts of names now. We'd done that in the 80s. Yeah. You know, I was I was a trigger. As soon as I went, everyone followed. And, and we'd done it in the 80s. We worked on it. We worked on it every day, one and two touch. And it was, you pass and move. If you didn't move when you passed the ball, it was a free kick to the other side. I mean, we'd done all that way back in the 80s. John was so far ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. How did he help you settle in? personally, in your first few months at the club? <laughs> you got a boys to uh, take me in a night out. <laughs> <That'd be good. laughs> I, was, I was, yeah, I was, I was feeling pretty homesick, to be honest with you, when I first came down. The, um, you know, London's a big place for a jot, and I, I know you guys are listening to me now, but I, I was very broad when I first came down, and uh, some of the boys couldn't understand the word I was saying. <laughs> so um, I was feeling, and when I go out, I like going out. And when you go out and you stand at a bar, you know, in Glasgow, someone would speak to a Londoner. In London, they walk away from people from Glasgow. And, and nobody knew me at the time. So um, it, it was a strange place because London's a big lonely place. So uh, I got to know the boys a bit. Once you get to know the boys a bit better. You know, the, the dressing room, I'm always safe in a dressing room. I feel great in a dressing room. But the boys took me out one night and the rest they say is history. Two minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> Once you got a taste of those bright lights, it was no yes. from there, was yes. it? Was it? <laughs> I but, never I never But West Ham were um I had to interfere in my football life. So that was that was a big difference. Very good. <laughs> Now, West Ham were coming off a um, bottom half of the table finish the previous season. Now, you know, pre-season almost sort of looked like it was going along a similar vein. Um, one memorable game stands out, and that was late in Orient, very early into your time. Um, what happened? Well, we, we didn't win a game, to be honest with you, in pre-season. John bought me to play in behind Paul Goddard yep. and Tony Cotty. And that was his strike force. And I was, I was going to play the number 10 role, as you call it nowadays. And... Um, it didn't work, to be honest with <laughs> you. Um, we didn't win again. I don't think we did any shots in target. It was great. <laughs> so, it was, um, we played Orient and what a beautiful pitch. And one of the best pitches in England at the time, apparently. It was lovely. It was like Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. A bit like the pitches we play on nowadays, but it was way back in the 80s. Yeah. And uh, I think we were 3-0 down at half time against Orient. And... Uh, I get, I get a strange wake-up call because this big fella kicked the door in and addressed him at half-time and shoved John out of the way and, and, uh, and basically told everyone, gave everyone a character reference, told us, you know, I was crap and waste of money and you were this and he went round the whole team. Apparently it was one of the ICF. <laughs> so, so, and uh, John was, the guy was ladling into John in the corridor apparently, he was shouting John and John says, don't tell me. Tell them so he, he certainly did, um, and left us in no, no one, no one to us. We, we all knew what he meant. So, um, and it didn't start. It started all right the season, to be honest with you, Kim. But it didn't. We knew we were better than than what we were. Paul Goddard got injured first game of the season. Yes, and um, 
I went up on the Tuesday and scored two goals against QPR. Yes. And uh, I, I kicked on. But Tony took Tony a little bit to, to get in his stride. Uh, Tony, Tony, I think, took till the seventh game to actually register, uh, register a goal. And, yeah, uh, I gave him, he should have scored a bit four because I gave him four open goals before that. But it was, uh, it, it, you know what Tony's like, once he, once he gets his confidence, it was, it was on fire, it was great. Yeah. It was, uh, we knew we were a good team. And you're probably going to ask me this question, so I'll tell it anyway. We had a meeting, you know, the biggest change for that season. Yes. Was, uh, yeah, you, I don't know if you play football, Kieran, but when you're a footballer, you know you've got the makings of a good team around about you. You train with them every day, and there's some wonderful players there. And something wasn't clicking. And uh, so we had a meeting. We had a meeting, no, no management, no staff, just the players. And we were in for about two hours before training. And, uh, and we got it sorted and what Alvin Martin and Tony Gale and Phil Park said to the boys, what, what comes out of this meeting stays in the dressing room. Nobody's, it's nothing personal. Take it the way it is because we're, we've got good players here. So um, there was a few, a few home truths were told. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, and that's when it decided I was a, I was a kickstart. When I went to close people down, everyone followed me in. Didn't give anyone an easy pass, and that's that's how it started. We went, I think, 19, 18 or nineteen games unbeaten. So, eighteen games, yeah. Um, yeah, it was the best, and it was it was great. But but more more importantly than the football we were playing, everyone was enjoying themselves. Yeah, it was, it was. I don't know you guys watching if he's if he's picked up on it, but we were all pals and we were all having such a good time on the pitch. And it's very few times that you get that feeling in a football Absolutely. team. I can tell you. You know, it's 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 quite it's quite hard to pick it up actually at that part of the season because between um, September and December there was very little football actually being screened, wasn't there? Uh, due to the but what was it that sort of got your popularity really out there at the time that football wasn't being widely televised? I think it was just there was this. I went on the Wogan show that was the biggest thing. Yeah, I went on Terry Wogan show, um, and and Denise and you you know this. Friday night with the, the Terry Wogan show, there was um, 23 million or something. Yeah. The show. <clears throat> it was, there was no sky. There was nothing, nothing like this. Yeah, so it was 23 million people. Friday night, I was just about to make my debut. I'd scored about 14 goals in 17 games or something. Yeah. And uh, just about make my debut, and I got asked to go on the Wogan show with the wonderful Dennis Law. Yeah. A big, of mine, big friend of mine. And it was great. We went on there, and I, I looked like an absolute plum, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I went out, and I bought all these. I bought this grey karate suit, and a karate tie, grey shoes. Oh, I looked like an absolute fud. Honest to God, I was there. Uh, I thought it was. I thought I looked the bollocks, to be honest with you. But now I look at it, and I think, oh, you're having a laugh. Look at the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. Twenty-three million people in it, and it really did change my life overnight. Yeah, because uh, Peter, I was going. To, I went to the airport. Played the Saturday. The press, not the sports press. The um, some people call it the gutter press. Were waiting on me coming out of a nightclub on the Saturday night because everyone knew what I looked. Yeah, looked like after that. I went to the airport on a Sunday. My mum was going to Australia. She flew down to Heathrow. She had a four-hour wait. So I says, "Right, I'll come and have a bit of lunch with you." I went to Heathrow, walked into Heathrow, and all the old ladies and that were asking me for autographs. And <laughs> I knew then it changed my my life had changed. So yeah, it was good. I enjoyed that. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, we'll talk about the weather now because that played absolute havoc in yeah. uh, the 85-86 season. Um, so much so, you only played two league games in um, January, one in February, but then from March 15 to May, played 16 games in the space <laughs> of about seven weeks. Did that affect yeah. you personally? I mean, you appeared in... I think, I think so. I think so. You know, I think we only used um, 14 players that season. Yeah, that's right. So, and everyone, the biggest problem we had... We wanted to win everything. Mm -hmm. So we had three replays against Ipswich. We had two against Man United in the cup ties. And we, were, we ended up playing Saturday, Mondays, Wednesdays. And, and, you know, listen, don't care who you are and how fit you are. It's, it's, at some point, it's going to take its toll on you. Yes. And, um, you know, but we didn't, have, we, we didn't have a squad to lead players out for the cup ties. And in hindsight, we should have, we should have just forgot about the Cups, because three replays against Ipswich was it took its toll. Yeah. And going to Old Trafford, I mean, everyone wants to play there, so we drove them up to Park, and of course we went up there and beat them, which is always a good thing. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was great. Listen, I, I still believe that the weather beat us that year wasn't any football team. I think we were the best team in the league. Yeah. Absolutely. And in fact, the run-in, I mean, in the last eight games, um, it was yeah. seven wins, wasn't it? Seven wins on the bounce until the yeah, very well, last we game. Went to, we went to West Brom the Saturday, which should have been the last game, but yeah. we had to play Everton the Monday. Yes. And uh, we had to win. And if all Liverpool had to do was draw, if they mm. drew with Chelsea, this is how close it was. If they drew with Chelsea, that meant that point that they got, it meant Everton couldn't win the league because Liverpool got the point but if, if Chelsea had beat them it meant everyone could win the league on Monday win or uh, draw, get beat or draw it didn't matter because we could have won it on the Monday that's, yeah. how, well, that's how close it was so when when we won at West Brom after the game we get told it was a draw at Stamford Bridge so you can imagine we were all so happy yeah because there's no way in a million years would we have get beat with Everton on the Monday not a chance and then John Lyle come in and told us that Kenny Dalglish had scored with about three minutes to go. And uh, to be honest with you, I've never seen so many grown men cry. It was yeah, incredible. Yeah. It really was. And nobody wanted to play on the Monday. I didn't want to go. I was going to the World Cup. Yeah. I really didn't want to play on the Monday. You know when you just you get the you get the legs took away from you, and all of a sudden everyone was just tired because it all it all kept up. The adrenaline was keeping us going to win the league, and then all of a sudden we couldn't win it. And we had to go on Monday and put a show on. And I wish, I wish we did, because we'd have beat Everton and finished second. But yeah. that's my biggest regret, not going and beating Everton. Because I didn't know I was going for the Golden Boot of Europe. And uh, Gary Lineker scored two goals that night and beat me by a goal. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't even know. That showed you how much I was. I was a team player. I wasn't interested in personal accolades. It was, uh, I was always a team player. Well, two things. I mean, Lineker got 29 and I think you 26. Um, yeah. but, but secondly, I think it was Alan Dickens that brought this up, that actually, um, probably without you guys realising at the time, beating Everton would have got you in the charity shield, <laughs> you know, the following year. Yeah, well, it was a good bit. Apart from that, Gary Lineker scored 13 penalties that year. I never get any, so... Yeah. <laughs> you can do what you, you want. I may have got a crisp packet I've named after me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, it's hardly comparing apples with apples, is it? Ah, uh, yeah. Like, well, listen, we could have, there's a lot of pots in me, but we could have got to, mm -hmm. we could have got to charity shield. But you know what? It was I just wanted to win the league. I really of did. Course. I thought we were so close, and 
you know, we can, we can look back in a few games and people say the Chelsea game at home and Tony Gale went off injured and we get beat in the last couple of minutes. But, you know, this, we didn't start well, to be honest with you. We didn't start the season well. We had a couple of wins, but uh, if they got a couple more points at the start of the season, then, um, you know what, we'd have been, different. We'd have been sitting here and a lot happier, I can tell you. <laughs> with medals around your neck as well. Yeah, well, it's the medals. It's, it's just for the fans, you know. Of course. The, the funny thing was, Kieran, I'm going out. I was going out the weekends, and you know, not like most footballers all stay in and go through with their wives and all that. And I was going out the weekends, and, and I'm bumping into a lot of West Ham supporters, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they were they were thanking me, and I'm saying, well, for apparently West Ham's league finishes after Christmas. It comes down with the Christmas lights. Everyone was telling me. You know, and uh, apparently after Christmas, West Ham don't win a lot of games. And so this season we were going, we, we went for it. And, uh, you, know, and you know, there's a lot of boys keep, keep talking to me now and saying it was a magnificent season. They enjoyed it. Um, you know, just, I'm just gutted we never won it for the boys. Yeah. Well, yes, didn't I? Absolutely. Absolutely. 1997, um, you left to join Celtic for the first first few two spells there yeah. and, and were part of an incredible season. Um, well, a couple of seasons at Celtic. But you returned to West Ham in 89 for your second spell. But I understood you actually had a choice of uh, West Ham and Arsenal at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I could have went to Arsenal. They were going to win the league, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm very loyal. And uh, something happened at Celtic that didn't sit right with me and I had to leave. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Basically, never paid me. So, <laughs> I <had to> <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a fairly fundamental thing. Yeah, I well, they, didn't, they didn't pay me what I was supposed to get, so they, they went back on something, and and I, and I, you know, I, it didn't sit right with me. But so I was a bit disillusioned because Celtic's my club. You know, it's to get to get a stab in the back because um, it was my club. But when I had the chance to go to West Ham or or Arsenal, Arsenal were going to win the league. John Lyle says West Ham's going to get relegated. Not even you can stop it. But we want you to lead the Charles for next year. I said, "Yeah, fine." So um, there was no, there was no, there was nothing for me. I, there was no even a, a hindrance that I wanted to go to Arsenal. I just couldn't do it. You know, I just I went to see George Graham only because I wanted to wind him up. So that was good. That was good. I got a good wind up with George. He didn't take it to it to England. Right? And I was hoping for ten years. So uh, yeah, it was all right. I, I went back to West Ham and I, I knew I could go back here and just, I didn't have to prove myself. Mm-hmm. West Ham, the, the supporters knew what I was, knew who I was. Yeah. And it, was, it was great. Unfortunately, you know, and it's the biggest blight on West Ham. Uh, they, they let Lou McCarry become manager, which was yes. the worst decision they've ever made in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it, it, yeah. it was horrible. It was horrible to me. It was horrible to me. So, you know, um, it was one of these situations. It was just a, it's just a horrible man. He didn't win. Well, I, I used to watch him playing for Celtic and what a great player he was. And, and he loved the game. He loved the, the way football should be played. And yet, he found big, big Lugo. He used to find him for kicking the ball out. You know, you know, I used to find him for rolling the ball out. He, used to, he wanted him to kick it all the time. And we used to only kick the ball out if I was one-on-one or something, you know, mm-hmm. and try and catch them out. But, we usually play at the back, play out for the back, and, and he used to find Lubo for doing that, and it was horrible. Yeah. You know, and if you get beat, not his fault, we're not fit enough. That's what he used to say. You know, nothing to do with some of the boys that he bought with. 
hopeless to be honest with you, but it was one of the situations, no tactics, no tactics whatsoever, you know, just go and run and run and run and just run again. That was it. <laughs> Fair enough. So I mean, um, you can tell I didn't like him. Uh, yeah, that's 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 been made a little bit a little bit crystal clear over the last two months or so, but uh, two <laughs> two minutes or so. But I mean, that's how everything changed at the club in your in your second stint. Um, now we come to your last appearance for West Ham, and yeah. uh, that was in May 1992 uh, mm-hmm. against Nottingham Forest, and um, you replaced Mitchell Thomas at half time. Uh, when you went into this game, did you know this was it? And, and actually, what happened during the game? Well, no, Mitchell told me after Mitchell told me before the game. To be honest, Bill, Bill was the manager and I was leaving and um, Bill was the only one that noticed that I wasn't, after I got a bad injury, Bill noticed that I wasn't, I wasn't myself, I wasn't right. I, I probably came back 80 odd percent, that was all. Um, and Bill noticed that. So I, it was fair enough, but he was leading me to the team and, and then he asked me to go on the bench in the last game of the season and after six years or five and a half years, whatever, it was just to say farewell with the fans, to be honest with you, and I appreciated mm-hmm. that. But Mitchell Thomas said to me before the game, you know, Gaffer's not putting you on, get yourself ready. He said, I'm going to pull a hamstring. So he pulled a hamstring at half time, and, and it was me and Kenny Brown, there was only two subs. So he had to put me on because Kenny couldn't play centre midfield. So he brought, I can't remember who it was, he brought somebody back in the midfield and put me up front. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was good fun, to be honest with you. I told Des Walker he was going to he was going to Barry for two million. I mean, I told him it was hopeless. I told him in the dread in a, the tunnel that it was hopeless, and um, and I destroyed him and and the boy Clough, Nigel Clough. Mm-hmm. They were saying he's a new Bobby Moore, and I couldn't believe it. You know what was him? So I absolutely rubbed the two of them on the way out, and uh, yeah, scored three, which was. It was a great way to leave West Ham. Start to, <laughs> my first game at Park. My first game I scored two. My first game I scored two, and my last ever game I scored three, which is a good way to leave. Absolutely, isn't it? absolutely, absolutely. That's the end of the West Ham career. I mean, um, we'll, we'll go to the finishing bit now before we invite questions from our uh, very small yeah. assembled audience. But, um, <laughs> but um, what are you up to these days, Frank? Stay in the house, lockdown. <laughs> I'm not talking about the lockdown. I'm talking. <laughs> Last, the last year, what will you be doing when this lockdown finishes? Playing golf. Get, I want to get my neck sorted out, yeah. I, I, I do all right. I do, I do a bit. I work for a newspaper uh, up, in, up in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, just, just I've got one column to write every week. Just about whatever I want to write. Uh, it's quite good. Um, I do that. I do a lot. I do quite a few of these podcasts. And after dinners, if, as you know, I do yeah. that with you guys down there. And I do a lot in Scotland, so... Yeah, I'm keep busy. I'm, I'm, I've not, I've not got a dull life, that's for sure. And I've got a big dog, <laughs> a wonderful missus. I've got a big dog that keeps me, keeps me fit. So uh, you need to get out a lot. So um, yeah, it's good. I'm enjoying life. Well, that's the best thing you could possibly do. And and certainly, I've read, I've read, I've read a few of those uh, uh, columns. And uh, yeah, it's quite, quite uh, evident that you do get free reign. It's not censored yeah. very much, is it? So. It's, apparently, it's the only time every week. I'm the only columnist that every single week has got to go to the lawyers. They have to send it to the lawyers. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 good. I'm good at having a go to politicians and all that. I love it. All good quite 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 an easy thing to do at the moment, but uh... yeah, well, no idea. It's on this. Everyone in. So anyway. <laughs> 
But um, how, how do you want to be remembered? To be remembered? Well, listen, I, I've heard recently, and the good thing for me is my teammates all respect me, and they all say, I, they all agree, everyone of them, I gave 110% for the team. I was a team player, mm-hmm. never selfish, you know, and, and then that's how it worked, you know, especially myself and Tony, we scored over 100 goals um, when we played together in two seasons or something like that. So, yeah, we've done... The big thing with me, I was a team player. If I'm going through and goal and the keeper comes out to me, I'll pass it to Tony and he'll score. If Tony goes through and goal, I'll go for the rebound because he's not passing it. He don't pass nothing. So, But I knew that and I wouldn't have changed that one single bit with Tony Cotty. He was a wonderful player, great finisher. And uh, it, was, it was a privilege to play with the guy. I did, I did see one terrific through ball uh, he played at uh, Stamford Bridge for the fourth goal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good shot. Now, outside well, of the boot. I'd done, I'd done one of these podcasts with, with him three days ago, and it was for West Ham. And uh, they kept showing you all these, he was making all the goals for me. You know, he made me about half a dozen goals. He gave <laughs> me about half a dozen goals in a couple of years. And uh, that was his six. It never showed me making that many. So it was, <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was good, it was a good podcast. Listen, he was a wonderful player. The one at Chelsea, he was on a hat trick, to be fair. He scored two goals. He went to try and lob the goalkeeper. Panicked a little bit, it went sideways and I volleyed it in. So, yeah, it was. But he, he claims that in today's game, that would have been an assist. Oh, of course. Of course, but yeah, it could have went anywhere, but never mind. <laughs> well, Frank, very thanks very much for uh, for the chat. Now, um, we're going to invite well, questions now from, uh, yeah, from a couple of well, others. Um, are there any questions out there for Frank? Who do you think the best player at West Ham when you were there? Oh, without doubt, I, Alan Devonshire. Alan yeah. Devonshire, wow, what a wonderful, wonderful player he was. Um, he, he, he went by players with ease. When I started, when I, I was in midfield, as I told you at the beginning, when the Tuesday night I went up front against, against the QPR, and Dev said to me, he says, look, when you're up front, he says, when I get the ball, I'm going to have three players around me. And I thought, you are a good sod. You think you are. But he was right. He says, I don't have to beat him. He says, you just come off your defender. He says, I'll give you the ball and I'll come and take it off you. You know, and it was, he made the game so easy. It was incredible. <laughs> you know, and if you could score, he scored a lot of goals, but we knew he would hit the keeper, he'd hit the bar, or he'd hit the post. So we, we got a lot of rebounds from him. <laughs> When, when, honestly, when he went in one of these, you, you remember him, when he went in one of these runs, it would just glide, honestly, by three players easily. Just yeah. run by them, leave them. And that, when I signed for West Ham, he was out injured for two years. And I thought he was the best player. He was world class when I played with him. What kind of player was he before he got injured? You know, you guys yeah. must have been, he's, he's have been, you know, him and Brooke in the same side would have been a joy to watch, you know. Absolutely. Are there any other questions for Frank while we're on? It'd have been good to play with Trevor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Trevor Brooking, yeah. Trevor would have been wonderful. He, him and Alan Devonshire, you can imagine him and Alan Devonshire. I, I played I played with, with Bill, Billy Bonds just when he was coming to the end of his career. But I can just I can just vision Billy in his prime playing and just letting Alan Devonshire uh, Trevor Brook can go and play, you know, because Billy, Billy would just have sat there 
and just took everyone out, wouldn't he? That's what he done. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but it was uh, it would have been it would have been great to play with Billy in his prime. You know, he, he was forty years of age when I went there, and he was outright was he was lapping me. It was, the, fine, it was incredible, wonderful professional and great guy. So yeah, I was I was very fortunate. Cool. Well, guys, thank you very much for being part of the uh, the podcast, and, and Frank, thank you very much for your uh, your time, no, generous no, as, thanks, as always. Thanks, uh, thanks. A couple of events we've got coming up, just to uh, tell all our listeners about. Thanks for coming so, on. Thanks very much. Friday the 18th of September we are at Runwell Sports and Social Club get tickets directly from the venue there and then on Saturday the 24th of October it's Frank and Mark Ward at Holbridge Sports Club and that'll, that'll be fun <laughs> <laughs> right. um, lots of people have already got their tickets for that one and uh, there are still more spaces left so do go on to Eventbrite and do look at that that's Saturday the 24th of October over at Holbridge Sports and Social Club but for tonight Frank McAvenny and all our guests, thank you very much for being part of the Purple Sector podcast. This will be uploaded in the next 24 hours. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Lovely. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. Looking well. Thank you. Eat well. Stay safe. Bye. See you, guys. See you.